Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Thanks, guys. So good to be here, right? So good to be in the house, the big house. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, that worship was amazing, right? Oh my gosh. Um, I am so excited to just have the church that we have. I'm just so grateful to God. Um, I love doing community with all of you. Uh, we have something very, very special here, and I don't take that for granted. Who also recognizes that this is pretty amazing? Yeah? Yeah? And I know that um, in Takeover's DNA, we are not going to not talk about the things that need to be talked about. We're not going to shy away. We're not going to um, just get blown over by the waves of culture. We're going to plant our feet, and we are going to, to march Jesus right into the future for the next generation. And uh, that's what that's what he wants to see in his bride. That's what he wants to see. So I'm super grateful for that. I know y'all are grateful. Um, this morning, we're going to have a little bit of talk back so that I feel like everybody's awake. I need to know you're awake. So when I say, do you hear me? I need you to say, oh, I hear you. Okay? So let's practice that. Do you hear me? Oh, yes. So good. All right. Let's make a joyful noise for the Lord this morning. Sorry, I just spit. It stopped right here, though. It didn't go any further. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's make a joyful noise, and then I'm going to pray, okay? One, two, three. Yeah, Jesus! Father God, we are so grateful to be here this morning. Lord, I just pray that you'd be glorified, Father, that every person that comes into this place, God, that they don't leave the same. Lord, that when they go home and they look in the mirror, they don't see themselves, but they see more and more of you every single day. In your mighty name, and all of God's people said, amen. Another great thing about um, TakeOver, which I, I love so much, is the worship, because it is just bananas. Um, worship is to minister to the Lord. We worship, and that's for him. But the byproduct is, is that it lights us up, right? Which, praise God, amen. I love that so, so much. Um, and it's a huge part of our, our culture here. So, again, I'm just grateful to be a part of a church that is going to say the uncomfortable. It's going to talk about the uncomfortable stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell the truth of the Lord because there's a lot of people and there's a lot of other organizations and groups out there who are not speaking Jesus. But they are, they are saying that they're standing in his name. So we need to create the God culture that he needs to see here on earth in his bride. We're going to stand in the flow, and we're going to create the God culture right here. And you're going to take it out as little Christs, and you're going, to, you're going to spread it to the rest of the world. Does that sound good? You guys up to that? Yeah? Okay. So this morning, um, as I was praying this week and getting ready to preach, I just, I was asking the Lord, God, what do you have for me? And he kept giving me, like, these little pieces. And I was like, okay, I'll just write that down in my notebook. And these little pieces just kept coming. And I was like, okay, but this isn't making like a bigger picture for me yet. As those little pieces kept coming, like Tetris style, they were all kind of starting to fit together. And with everything that we have been experiencing in culture right now, the number one thing that I have been 
praying with and over and for people in our community is people who feel depressed, anxiety, they feel anxious, they feel fearful, they feel a lot, they feel a loss of hope. That is the major thing that I have been feeling and sensing in our community at large. And as I was praying this week and those little tiny pieces kept coming together, in conjunction with that truth, that that is something that we are all struggling with, the Lord pressed on my heart this morning that we are going to be talking about false prophets. So yeah, 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 yeah. Which who knows that Jesus talked a lot about false prophets. Yeah, New Testament, Jesus talks a lot about false prophets. This is just a one-off message, no extra series, no extra hype. This is just us taking a moment to truly recognize the temperature of the culture, the temperature of the mental state that all of us are feeling and sensing right now and saying, there is something that is off, there is something that we need to change. And if you do not have a notebook this morning, you're gonna wanna take notes. We have free notebooks right out there at that little um, bookshelf if you want to go grab that or whip out your phone and write down that title, False Prophets. Um, someone called me this week as I, was, as I was preparing this, and it's someone that I don't even see anymore. I rarely talk to her. And she called me and she was just like, hey, I just watched your last message. I just want to let you know that you're, t- you're a teacher. Like you as a preacher are a teacher. And which is very different from Matt, which I struggled with for years as we were getting this thing started. She was like, you're a teacher, so you just teach stuff. And I was like, okay. And she was like, all right, love you, have a nice day. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. Okay, so I'm going to teach stuff. Do you hear me? <laughs> I'm going to teach stuff. All right, so um, I'm just going to be honest with you that as those little pieces started to come to me um, this week as I was preparing, I have a really hard time not seeing what's out there in culture and just wanting to get up here and absolutely rage against what I'm seeing. Does anybody feel me? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Um, My mom's hand in the back is like, yeah! Um, It is so hard right now to look out in culture and for me to not feel angry, but I cannot, out of a place of anger, let that dictate the message that I bring to y'all. Do y'all understand that? We have to trust our leadership to come to this thing with with love and compassion and the heart of Christ. That's what we need to do. Um, the, the babe crew, we are memorizing scripture together. Dude crew, get on our level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a few weeks ago, it was um, about anger. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not create in us the righteousness that God desires. So when I was coming to this, no matter how frustrated I get with what I'm seeing out there, I realize that the heart that I have to have is one of love and compassion, even for the people who are out there just spreading the darkness. Um, so with that being said, as I was preparing, the, the main thing that I wanted to talk about was false prophets and what that is doing in creating depression, anxiety, confusion, hopelessness, and fear in God's people right now, because we are called to not be fearful in any way. I believe that everything that we're sensing, this, this, this rise, this surge of mental illness, all of the things that we're struggling with, which by the way, if you have struggled with mental illness, you are not alone, okay? There's, nobody's gonna pick on you, bash on you. There, I know there's been a stigma, but there is not in this church. 
Y'all, we love therapy. We, we love working it out with Jesus. This is Kyle's back there like, you. Yeah. Um, listen, we all should have therapists. Bottom line, we would all be a lot healthier and a lot happier if we all had therapists. But in conjunction with Jesus, there is so much freedom when it comes to those who struggle with mental illness. And my hand is like way up there, y'all. So I believe that false prophets are the things that they're saying, the things that they're telling us are really, really driving around just this fever, this sickness of that is catching. Everyone feels this way. People who have never struggled with mental illness, my husband, um, people who have never, ever been touched by anxiety or depression or anything like that, which God bless you, that's amazing. That is not my story, but hey, that's really cool, um, are feeling for the first time this sense of like, what is going on? <laughs> the, the floor has gone out. It, everything is at a tilt and a spin, and we are just going crazy. So false prophets. We all take over. We know what prophets are, right? We, we talk about prophets all the time. And I'm going to break it down for you, just in case you need to hear it again. Um, prophets are not just an old thing. They're not just for the Old Testament. They're for now. They're for right now. And if you were here for my last message, I preached on Ezekiel. And he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And it just meaned very clearly that he was someone that was chosen by God for God to speak through and to his people. That's what it meant in the Old Testament. That back then it was for the Jews, and for today it's for all of us. Many of you have heard us refer to Zach as the prophet of our house, and it's because he has been blessed and gifted with the prophetic gifts that have touched many, many people. Doesn't mean he's Gandalf, okay, because he's not. He's not that cool. But the Lord works through him in some crazy, crazy ways. It's nothing weird. It's nothing magical. It's nothing that should make you feel uncomfortable because prophecy is for today. It is for now. And if you haven't been touched like that, what that can look like is a word of knowledge, a vision that someone has in a prophetic gifting that they just are ready to impart to you that can touch you very, very, very deeply. And if you've ever received a word of knowledge from someone, which I'm sure most of us, a lot of us have, if you haven't yet, you stick around, you will. Um, it is like a direct, it is a, like a direct talk to point from God to you. He is talking through someone else directly to you. And sometimes when we are in community with God, when we are in a relationship with him, we can be talking to him all the time, but sometimes it takes it coming out of another person's mouth for us to really hear it. You feel me? Yeah. So oh, <laughs> um, we went to this conference, our leadership did, um, probably six or eight months ago now, and there was this guy, Wayne Drain, and he was a prophet that was there. There was a couple of them. And Wayne was special because he had this little yellow notepad that he would go around all the time. His whole, the, the whole, like, latter half of his life, he's carried this little notebook. And when he receives a word for someone, regardless of whether he knows you, in fact, a lot of the time it's just for strangers that he doesn't know, he writes down the prophetic words of God and he gives it to that person. And I tell you, every single one of us wanted one of those little yellow 
yellow sheets by the end of by the end of that conference. I don't think anybody got one, but Josh and Al got prayed over and spoken to by a prophet. That was just so powerful. He didn't know them, and that's the point: is that it's not about the person who's talking to you. It's about God speaking through that person and giving them knowledge that there's no way they would even ever have. They're not in relationship with you. They don't know the, the deep, tender spots of your heart. That is how a, a prophet functions, is that they don't have to know all that stuff. They just have the faithfulness to be used by God to speak to you, and it is an amazing, amazing thing. And it's not something that we take lightly at all. For a prophet, for someone with a prophetic gifting, they must be in complete alignment with the Holy Spirit. So nothing funky. It's not just an opinion. It's not just, well, I don't think you should take that job. I don't think you should work there. No, it is God speaking directly through them to give something to you that you need to hear. And you will always know that it's from God because it will be wrapped in love. A prophet is never going to tell you your life is garbage. You need to throw it in the trash can. They're not going to tell you that because that's not from God. That's not how he does that. Even when he was speaking through the prophets of old to the Jews and he was telling them all these crazy things are going to happen. Y'all need to get your stuff together. You're being disobedient. A lot of that was heavy, but he always came to the end with a gift of hope and a word of hope and wrapped in love because God loves, loves, loves his people. Sometimes these words are awesome, they feel amazing, and sometimes they're really, really challenging. And that is on us to decide what we do when we receive a word from a prophet. I have seen people reject a prophetic word. I have seen people be deeply, deeply touched and moved and changed by a word that they receive. And I think that's where we need to be. We need to posture ourselves in a way where we're just ready to receive. And today what we're really gonna be talking about is making sure that what we're hearing is in alignment with God's word, that the prophetic that's being given to us is actually from God. And again, the title is False Prophets. Um, so there's a lot out there that is, is not of God. There's a lot that's being talked about that is not what God has to say to you. All right, so again, the Old Testament is filled with prophets because of the constant cycle of oath-breaking and then the rituals of repentance that the Jews had to go through. So the prophets would really guide them through those things. And then Jesus came. Do you hear me? <laughs> Jesus ended the rituals by being the final sacrifice. So no more sacrifices because he was a sacrifice. No more priests because we are the priests, and his temple is within us. If that is not a good word, I do not know what is. So Jesus spends a lot of his time talking about false prophets, and he mostly talks about these guys called the Pharisees. We've all heard of those, right? They are religious leaders at the time who had truly forgotten the heart of God, and they are they love the honor of being called rabbi. They love the place of esteem that they get. The, they are crushing others with religious law while having inwardly sinful and selfish lives. And he really, really goes to town on um, these guys, their traditions. And in the bluster of, of all of their, their lawmaking and law-keeping, that they have forgotten that the heart of the... the that fear is not the heart of love. 
Fear is not the heart of love, but compassion, intimacy, and truth are the heart of love. And that is God's heart for his people, not fear, not crushing, not impossible expectations, but compassion, intimacy, and truth. And in Matthew 23, he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside is filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside itself will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Yikes. That is not a category I would want to fall into at all. And today... We might not call them Pharisees, but we have these things in our church culture that could be called hype priests, where it's more about the putting on of church than it is about the heart of church and the community and God's people. We don't, we don't want to be high priests here. We want to be holy priests here. We want to be the heart of God and his, his intention for the world in the world right now. Um, and I don't think that that is a place where anybody begins. I don't think that uh, we all begin as a high priest or, or we have the, we, there's the potential to, but with the right covering and in alignment with the Holy Spirit, there's no way that you're going to get there. And I'm so grateful for the culture that we have here because our leadership teams, we're all up in each other's business all the time. It is transparency all, 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 all the time. And we have the Radiant Network, which provides this amazing covering um, with guys who have done this for so, so long, and accountability, and accountability is huge. Does everybody know that? Accountability is a really, really, really big deal. Um, obviously, we're people, we're imperfect, we've hurt each other, and that is, that is a part of the human story, right? The beautiful thing is, is that there is grace and there is mercy. And if we are doing this thing right, then there, we're gonna have a very, very hard time staying angry at each other. Yeah? So that, I love that about takeover. I love that so much. Um, in Matthew 24, he says, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampart, rampant everywhere, and love of many will grow cold. Okay, sin will be rampant everywhere. Does that sound like 2021? Yeah? A little bit. A little bit. Now we've talked about the, the religious false prophets. We also have false prophets who come in the name of a new truth or a better truth than the truth of God. And it will not align with God at all. And because of that, they will hate the truth that you carry. They will hate the truth that you keep and that you tell to others. They will hate your truth because it contradicts their truth. And they believe their truth is better than your truth. Who knows that a, a man-made truth is never better than a God-made truth? Yeah? And I believe that it is this type of nature that is making us truly sick right now. It is making people in the, in the church sick. It is making the world that is in a frenzy sick, sick, sick. Because at least we have God. 
and we have a relationship with God, the people out there are tossed like a wave in the sea. And I just, I just cannot even imagine what that would feel like right now. False prophets are spreading doctrine of the world, half-truths and straight-up lies that are being bom- we are being bombarded by, bad news that is making us truly, truly sick. It is causing people to doubt God. It is causing confusion in the church and a conflict at the deepest parts of our identity as human beings. We are created in the image of God, yet the world would say, you were created to be God. To say what is right and what is wrong. You can be your own God. And what is crazy to me right now is that as wild as this world keeps getting, which I'm sure it will get wilder, it is hard for me to imagine I try to not go there. There are heathens out there. There are saints and there are ain'ts. And there are some ain'ts out there that are speaking more truth than I'm hearing some Christians say. And I never, I never, if I was dead, I'd be rolling my grave if somebody told me that Joe Rogan would be saying things, standing in the gap, questioning propaganda and gender and the rights and freedom of American people. I mean, yikes. I'm not encouraging you to follow that guy because, but he is saying some things that I'm like, what the heck? He's not wrong. He is saying some things that Christian people are afraid to say. And even Dave Chappelle, and again, I am not encouraging you to follow these guys, but he is putting his neck and his reputation on the line to really point some things out that culture is flaming him for. Flaming him for questioning. Even questioning. And lastly... Russell Brand, I kind of like him. He's a little, he's a little cutie. Um, he is, he is making more sense and is more put together than some media outlets out there. CNN, he is making them look like some jokers with the stuff that he is bringing up that they just want to sweep on under the rug. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. We need to talk about that. You can't just sweep that under the rug. This is going to change people's rights. This is going to change the way the world looks at this. The government's getting away with stuff, or this group's getting away with stuff, or big money, or big tech, or whatever. And he's like, we got to talk about this. And it is wild to me that he is more put together, again, and more unbiased than, than most of our major news networks right now. Do you hear me? <laughs> I know that we're talking about some heavy stuff, but, I, but just trust me. It's always good, right? And again, they are putting their careers and their reputation on the line to say, what the heck is going on? And we need to, we need to be praying for and covering these ain'ts. And we need to be praying and covering our saints that are doing the same thing. Um, and again, just Matthew 24, many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant. Rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. There are so many people saying so many things. There is just absolute confusion festering everywhere. There's so much sin, pain, and brokenness in the world right now. God's people are truly dismayed. Our hearts are heavy. We look out there, and we just do not know what to think. And it is rough. It is real rough. And that can make our love grow cold. And when I talked about wanting to get up here and just absolutely rage sometimes, 
I have to remember that I cannot let my love grow cold. These are people in the darkness, promoting darkness, that God still loves very, very much, as much as he loves you or I. And we need to keep extending that love and that grace. Even when it's hard, we cannot let our love grow cold. The first sign for me when my love grows cold is the words that are coming out of my mouth. I know that I have to do a heart check when I'm no longer speaking life. And if you know what it's like to be around someone who does not speak life, you do not want to be around that someone, right? Do you hear me, people? <laughs> to be a Christian is to speak life. We are to speak hope. We are to bring peace with us. That is a mantle that we take with us out into the world, even when the world is in absolute chaos. The things that restore my heart when it feels like stone are one, worship, two, the word of God, and hear me, people, three, community. Community will not let you stay there. The right community will not let you stay there. They're going to spiritual shakabuku you into next week. You know what I mean? And I do want to say that there's a word on Christians who mean well, who are speaking truth to life, but it doesn't bless you. Have we heard this? Where we're getting the news, but it does not bless us. And I just want to say that as Christians, we are called to be peacemakers, not peacetakers. There is a gal that I follow, Allie B. Stuckley, and she is a sassy, sassy little mama. And she is, she has her own news thing that she does, but she takes time to pray and talk about the goodness of God. I always feel hopeful after I listen to her sassy rants on YouTube because she takes time to talk about his promises and his hope, which is what we need to do. We need to not forget that. So, how do we recognize a false prophet? False teachers use misinformation, propaganda, and lies to manipulate our feelings, our beliefs, and even our actions. They want to control the narrative. Prophets and false prophets alike will be known by their fruit. And if you're on the babe crew and you did your memorization this week, it's going to come in handy here. The false prophet's fruit will look like hate, fear, conflict, impatience, cruelty, falseness, faithlessness, brutality, and hypocrisy. A few of these I'm going to highlight. Hate, they will encourage you to hate toward, they will encourage hate towards those who do not agree with you. If you don't speak my truth, I can't associate with you. And in fact, I'm going to troll you into oblivion. That's what hate is. Um, I recently heard that Jennifer Aniston is breaking ties with all of her friends that would not get vaccinated, regardless of their personal choice. No friends, not friends anymore. That is not love. That is not compassion. That is hate. Fear is another one. They will tell you to fear those who question your truth or their truth that they are telling you. And we see this represented so well in cancel culture, which is alive and well right now, people. I wish it were not, but it is. They can even be, we can be silenced on social media 
If we do not call someone who was born a biological male person, male, female, and not male. If we do not agree, if we do not convert, we will be silenced. That is what they're trying to do right now. Faithlessness, their truths will change. Their truths will change. I never thought I would say this. By <laughs> Cardi B, I'm talking about her from the stage. She, I don't listen to her music, but um, she is so dang smart. She said to all of her followers, be smart, pray before you make a final decision on X, Y, Z, whatever. In this case, she was talking about the vaccine. And she got absolutely trolled by this Joy Reid who was like, you can't be doing this. You're part of the black community and you can't be saying this and all this discouraging stuff. And Cardi B went and found her tweets, Joy Reid's tweets from six months ago. She was saying the exact same thing about the vaccine. They are faithless to their own cause. They will change. It is absolute hypocrisy. Now listen, there is both good fruit and there is bad fruit. We have to take a good hard look at the fruit in our lives and the people's lives that we are letting speak into our life, right? The confusion we are feeling in the sense of, ugh, as we get off or more on to social media or a news, news station right now is a spiritual sickness that is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom it may devour. It wants to devour your peace. It wants to steal your joy. And it wants you to go out into the world feeling defeated when we know already that we are conquerors. Do you hear me, people? <laughs> the world wants to manipulate you. And as people of God, we need to know the difference when we hear the truth and we hear the rank, nasty, manipulative voice of the enemy who wants to steal our joy and crush our faith. In contrast, which it's going to go up here in a second, I made a slide for y'all, a false prophet, in contrast to a false prophet, a bringer of truth, a harbinger of light, will be known by their fruit, which is, is it up there? Oh, yeah. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Jesus. Now compare and contrast on that screen behind me. You can see the good fruit and you can see the bad fruit. Take a look. Write it down. Take a picture. Don't forget it, because there is an abundance of spiritual fruit in our lives, whether we recognize it or not. Look at this little list, and if there are, is there anyone in your life who has an abundance of one or an abundance of the other? And how much are you letting them speak to you that informs the decisions that you make or the things that you believe about yourself or the things that you believe about your God. In Matthew 28, which I will read in a second, it talks about Jesus rising from the dead on the third day after he was crucified. And another thing that false prophets want to do is they want to control the narrative. And I was, I was, asking Scott about this earlier in the, the week, and by that I mean yesterday, uh, Friday, <laughs> if there was any times in history, because my brain was absolute mush, that propaganda or misinformation had been used to really alter history. We were kind of talking about that a little bit. Um, 
And I wound up going to Matthew 28, where it talks about Jesus rising from the dead. And it says, as the women were on their way, some guards went into the city and told the leading priests, the very people who had had him crucified. They told them what had happened, that Jesus had risen from the dead, risen from the dead. A meeting with their elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you will not get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he was a good man and a prophet. That's what they believe. This is a perfect example of a false prophet controlling the narrative that is still believed today. That doesn't creep you out. I don't know what will. So if we're going to be the people of God has called us to be, we're going to have to be careful with our spiritual diet and care. If we want to combat anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts, fear, and confusion that we're feeling in our day-to-day lives, we have to start vetting the people that we let speak into them. And again, we are called to be peacemakers, not peace-takers. And if worship wants to come up here, y'all can just very slowly start to find your way. Um, Lastly, I want to tell you about a surefire way to test the truths that are being thrown at you every single day. One, a truth can be tested because it will not align with God's will or his, his word. If it does not align with the word of God, then it is a lie. Two, if you are welcoming others in to help you get discernment, that is another way to help you find truth. And three, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that helper that is inside all of us that can give us insight to the things that we cannot see or hope to understand. Because there's a lot of garbage out there, and we need a filter who's going to help us understand and see the truth through that garbage. Yes? Yes. So this morning, I wanted to talk very, very briefly about this guy named Genghis Khan. Has anyone heard of him? Yes. Okay, teachers in the back. What's up? So Genghis Khan, um, when I was very, very young, this has nothing to do with Genghis Khan, um, I was diagnosed with a, a, a learning disorder, which just means that my brain functions differently. That's all that that means. It doesn't mean that I, I can't do the same things that you do. It just means I got to do about I got to do it differently than you do. Um, back then, it was more of a, a dire situation where there's something really wrong with your kid. She's gonna have to be in remedial classes for the rest of her life, and she's probably not gonna amount to much. Sadly, that's what my mother heard. So my mom, being the amazing and incredible woman that she is, wasn't going to let that pass. And during the summertime, which is supposed to be my free time, my happy time, she would make me read to her for 45 minutes as she worked out. She's pretty hardcore, and she's pretty buff. So she would work out for 45 minutes, running on a treadmill, and I would have to read to her for 45 minutes, which I talked to her earlier this week, and I was like, that was really horrible. Was it 45 minutes? She was like, yeah, that's how long I did it. 45 minutes. You read the whole time. And I was like, oh, my God. I'll never do that to my children, no. Um, I'm here today because obviously she did that, right? 
And one of the stories that we read at that time was about Genghis Khan. And if you don't know who he is, he was Mongolian. He was um, the leader of the largest land um, empire that this world has ever seen. He was the ruler of the largest, largest group of land that anyone has ever seen in mankind. And what took him 25 years to conquer, it took the Romans 400. And they didn't even scratch what he did. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So this story is about him coming back from probably a couple of years of war. And he comes back to his hometown and in celebration, they're going to go out and they're going to have a day of hunting. So everybody mounts up, they get their horses. They're going to go off into the woods. They're going to have a day of hunting. It's like a really big thing. People are really excited. And he rides out and he has his hawk on his arm. And they used to train their hawks to fly up above. And when they would see a deer or a rabbit, they would swoop down and tear out the throat of the rabbit. So no hunting was required, really. You just go around and you kind of pick up after your hawk that they trained to hunt in this way. So they go off and they're doing their hunting and it is a real, real thin day. There's not a whole lot to be hunted. And everybody's like, I think it's time to pack it in towards the end of the night. We got to head back. And he's like, yeah, sure, okay. Y'all head back one way. I'm going to head back this other scenic way, which he just thought was beautiful. And that was the way that he wanted to go. His hawk was flying up above. He was riding out on his own. And he started to become really, really thirsty. And he remembered that the last time that he was there, which was in the spring, there was this, this spring that was coming off from the mountainside. And he remembered where that was. So he started to head over towards where that spring was. Now, this was summertime. So what was a spring before was now a tiny little trickle. By the time that he got there, there's a tiny little trickle coming off the side of the mountain. He hops off from his horse, and again, this, his hawk is with him, just flying around, scoping for game. He hops off from his horse, and he gets out of his saddlebag, this small silver cup. He walks over to the side of the mountain where this trickle is coming off, and he starts to collect that water, and it takes a long time, long time. And he gets it all the way filled to the top, and he goes to take a drink, and there's a swoosh of air, and the cup gets knocked out of his hand, and all of the water goes on the ground. And he looks around, and it was his hawk. His hawk had knocked the cup of water out of his hand and onto the ground. And he's like, what the heck? So he picks it up, he fills it again. The same thing happens the second time. Now he's getting really frustrated, because he's really thirsty. <laughs> so he starts to fill it a third time, and it only gets halfway full. And he goes to drink it, and again, the hawk knocks it out of his hand. I mean, this time, it's Genghis Khan. If you heard, he was a really angry guy. <laughs> so, he's screaming obscenities at this hawk, and he's saying, if you were right here right now, I would wring your neck. That's how mad I am. And he goes and he picks up the cup, and just as he starts to collect the water, he pulls his sword out. And when the water is collected in the cup, and he goes to drink it, and the hawk comes, he strikes the hawk with his sword, and it lays at its feet, dying and bleeding to death. And he says, that's what you get for your pains. That's what you get for trying to stop me. And he looks for his cup, and it's fallen down in between a crack in the rock, and he can't get it. So despite the hawk, he decides he's going to climb the mountain. He climbs the mountain, and he gets to the very top where the pool is. And he sees the pool, and in the pool is the largest 
poisonous snake he's ever seen and it is dead and it is rotting into the water and if he would have drank that water he would have died a very very painful death immediately he realizes what he has done and his heart is absolutely broken not only was the hawk trying to save his life but his, that hawk was his best friend that hawk could see more than he could see and he needed it to protect him he goes back down off from the mountain, he collects his hawk, and he rides into history. Now that book promotes that story as being one about anger and that it is not something that is good and we all need to work on it. But when I read that story, I see the story of the Holy Spirit. I see a helper that we do not even know that we need, who sees greater and further and more than we could ever, ever see on our own. And the Holy Spirit, as he sees, he can communicate with us in a perfect, perfect way. So why are we swatting that bird away? Or why are we wounding that spirit with our sin? Why are we doing that? It's a good question. He wants to keep us from drinking that cup of untruth. He wants to lead us in hope and life and today, I wanted to end our message just asking if y'all wanted more of that Holy Spirit power. Because yeah. we're going to need it, people. We're going to need it to tell the prophets from the false prophets. We're going to need it when our brothers and sisters come to us with questions that they cannot explain or understand. We're going to have to come alongside them and speak in truth. Jesus is truth. So if y'all want to bow your head, and if there's anybody in this place who wants to receive more of the Holy Spirit, I want you to just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray with you. All right. We've got some Holy Spirit heavyweights in the house today, baby. Jesus, I thank you for all of your saints, Father God, for every single person in this place that is lifting their hands, and they're saying, I cannot do it on my own. It is not wrong to say that we're going to humble ourselves father and accept that you know better than we know we want more of you more of the truth that you have for us you are god we are not god and jesus if there is any sin in our lives in our hearts father that has wounded your spirit father we ask for forgiveness right now in the mighty name of jesus and we pray like a holy fire that your presence would fall on your people in this place right now, God. That we would not leave this place the same. That you would give us mouths to speak your word, feet to walk on your path, and arms to carry your light into the darkness. And all of God's people, as they stood to their feet, they said, Amen! Let the King of my heart